everybody. You are listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 27. How good would the Patriots be right now if they had a QB like Tom Brady? Hello and welcome, Big Chillers. Before we say hello to the boys, I want to start off and apologize directly to Stephen Goskowski who, for those who don't know, the Titans were down 27-24, and he came on to kick the game-tying field goal, which would have covered my bet of the week, Titans over 26.5. So there was absolutely no chance he was going to make that field goal. The Duca curse was way too strong, willed that ball off the goalpost. So I apologize. It wasn't your fault. It was my fault. You, you never had a shot. And really pisses me off because I think it's probably the first thing we're going to get into is not only did my bet of the week lose, not only did the Titans lose, but then the Steelers won another damn game. So with that, Eddie, I'll let you give it to me. (laughs) I'm not going to give it to you because in the end, I I was kind of making fun of you at the beginning of the game for the the first quarter, even for the first half, I guess, the Titans looked absolutely terrible. In the end, they came back pretty nicely, and you were unlucky to win, but you would have been... It's one of those ones where you were unlucky to lose, but you would have been lucky if you'd won, if you see yeah. what I mean. Like, it falls in this weird category. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm going to offer you... I think we probably each have a couple of takes that we need to retire, and I'm going to insist that you have to retire one of these two <laughs> things permanently. Option one, the Steelers aren't good. You either have to retire that or option two, that the Texans are in any way good. <laughs> I knew you were going to hit me on that one too. Well, before before I, I will get to that, before I get to that, I will say I was driving home. I had a really long drive home on Sunday, so I missed all the early games, but I listened to them on the radio. And I'll, I'll get to that story because it's pretty funny listening to kind of like the NFL red zone radio version. But I did see your text early on that basically said, you picked the Titans over 26. You sure you didn't mean 2.6. And then as they slowly started creeping closer and closer, I was just waiting for them to win. Cause all I wanted to do is text that didn't age well, huh, Eddie? I was so bad. wanted to kill you on it. And they just couldn't come through enough to be able to do it. So but yeah, I, mean, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that one because I had no, I didn't particularly care who won that game apart from obviously my prediction on here that the Steelers would win. That was my only reason in a sense. Like, yeah, it was a good game and I was watching it. I mean, it wasn't a great game for long, but good game on paper. So like I kind of must watch with two playoff teams, but I did enjoy early on kind of getting that chance to rip into you. I knew doing it was risky because I was doing it. I made my first comment when it was 7 0. So it wasn't as if. Yeah. I mean, they scored on what? Four consecutive plays. So it's you were right to get more ballsy as it went along. But. Well, I made my first comment because their opening, the Steelers' opening drive was basically, I think it was nearly 10 minutes and ended in a touchdown. And so my point there was you're going to struggle to get the over here on the Titans just if the Steelers hold on to the ball for this length of time every time they get it. So that was my initial comment. And then once they got up by 20 points, then I was just going fully at you. Um, second half, I don't think I said anything. 
<laughs> it was just really funny because, you know, I'm listening on the radio, but we're also driving kind of through a few mountain ranges. So I don't get much service throughout. So it would be, you know, I saw like your initial one, I think after that 10 minute drive and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then I wouldn't hear anything. And then an hour later, like four more would come in, you know, saying like, oh, two, 26, how about 2.6? You know, it's like getting more and more aggressive. And I just kept hoping that the Titans could pull the uh, full comeback and they just came short. And of course they just came short and ruined the over as well. And we talked about it off podcast, but that was my only loss in a really nice accumulator I had was picking the Titans. And then just going back on it, it was such a dumb pick by me because it was less of a smart pick and more of a, I want to be right and prove that the Steelers are bad, which is obviously a stupid take. And I should have just went on the more reasonable teams in there instead of, you know, trying to be an ass and, and give it to the Steelers, which I, I will officially take back my comment that they are a playoff team. I'll okay. give them that. I mean, I think that's a mistake we can all make, even in just making predictions, right? You, you feel as if you've kind of nailed your flag to a particular flagpole and you're yeah. sort of going to, you're going to stick there, like if, not to mix multiple metaphors and stuff, but like until the ship is, has fully gone down, you're going to oh stand God. there defending it <laughs> and yeah. and uh until we see the whites of their eyes exactly yeah <laughs> exactly damn the torpedoes like, yeah, what else can down, in there? staring like, down the barrel of the gun <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah that's the that's the i think one that's if a by mistake. sea two if by land <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the mistake that we can all make occasionally but that was definitely, yeah, That your move in that respect was that. Now, here's the killer. You're probably now going to pick the Steelers. I mean, I think actually they're next. I think they're playing the Ravens next. Yeah. So it, it, that's going to be a tough one. But say hypothetically you flip and now you're on the Steelers, Steelers bandwagon, they're going to get just demolished by the Ravens. Yeah. But, okay, oh. you, you've retired. You've retired. The Steelers aren't good. Let's move on to the second item of, are you going to retire two takes on this podcast or just one? The Texans are not well, the, good the, in any way. The Texans is a tough one because they keep playing pretty good teams. Uh, like a lot of their losses are against good teams. You know, they're not playing the NFC East. If they were losing to the Redskins and the Giants and the Cowboys, that would be one thing. But they're, you know, how did you manage to, to do that when teams? we weren't even talking about Washington? How did you oh, manage to do it? <laughs> I meant from last year. I meant last year because last you know year they played the NFC East. That's what you I'm know saying. You know what's impressive? What's impressive about that is I didn't even hear it. Like <laughs> it's almost become so expected now. I'm just like they must I mean, be no. a team. They must still be a team. <laughs> like, yeah. There's actually Washington, and then there's this team as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the new franchise that's just opened up. But I yeah, get what I, you're saying. I get like, what you're saying. Yes, the okay. The, the, their record is one and six, and obviously that is not the record of a good team. But when you look at their losses, put next to, for instance, like the Giants' losses, you know, with the Giants' only win being Washington with a failed two-point conversion, you know, it's it's such a discrepancy. Like if you were to put the Texans against the Giants right now, the Texans should be a ten-point favorite. 
seven, let's say seven point favorite, I think would be an, a realistic. Okay. Spread. Four. Okay. Four. All right. All right. Okay. All right, the Giants are favorite. okay. Pick them, but <laughs> all right. Okay. So next, okay, week, then... next week they're playing the Jacks, the Texans. But no, actually, fortunately for Frank, he can't be wrong on the Texans this week because they're on a bye. So for once he won't have to get a call the Texans game wrong. Uh, but yeah, next week they're against the Jags. That will be the litmus test because there will be no defense of your position at all if they lose to the Jags. Yeah, agreed. Then I'll have to walk. And I back think that I, one. I think <laughs> I honestly think the Jags and the Texans are about on a par with each other. Yeah, see, I don't see now that I don't think at all. I think the Texans should beat the Jaguars by ten. Well, then here I'll give you a I'll give you a different question and I'll pose this to both both of you. Which of these teams with a current losing record would you be most, say they were, for some odd reason, dropped into the playoffs at the end of the year in their current format, in their current sort of makeup? There's no roster changes, no dramatic injuries, nothing like that. Which one of these teams would you be most worried about playing? The Patriots, the Chargers, the Broncos, I'll say the Bengals, or the Texans? Okay, so repeat them again. Not the Patriots. They're 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 washed up, and we'll get to that later. They're done. So Patriots, Chargers, Broncos, Broncos Bengals, are done. Bengals and Texans. If you so say I would the say, Texans, I'm I would say I'm, either I'm the, retiring you from the podcast. I would say in this order, probably Bengals, Texans, Chargers. Are you kidding me? What are that you? I'd be most scared to play? Yeah, Texans. So Still? Bengals number one, and then the Texans. Out of that yes. list of teams. Yes. That, that's insane. Sam, before I go on to how insane Frank is, we know you were just at, at high elevation. I think that you may have <laughs> you may have lost some brain cells while you're up up way above sea level. Hey, Sam, the air is rare up there. <laughs> which uh, which team which team would you be most afraid of? Probably, probably the Chargers. Then the thing with the Patriots, right, is that they're stunningly non-competitive at the moment, but they still have a good team. And Cam is a good quarterback, even though the last three or four weeks have been a train wreck. I'd probably go Chargers. Then you've got to be afraid of the Patriots. I just think it's Belichick in the playoffs. You would be afraid of that. Then I'd probably say the Bengals. Yeah. To me, I mean, the obvious answer is the Patriots, just because pedigree. So I don't want to play come, Bill Belichick in a in a playoff game. Come you can, on, you can I, do the come on, but the, he has proven. Come himself. on, you watched their last two games, Eddie. The, I, I know. they are bad right now. They're bad. Look, they were bad. I will say. I think part of the spin they were they were awful against the Broncos, um, against the Niners, and I'm not just saying this because they're my Niners. This is why they spin. Yeah, this isn't why Niners I'm Nation. That being said, the Niners were very good. So it wasn't just the the Patriots being incompetent. The Niners were I think the Niners legitimately, I know I ruled them out a couple weeks ago when they lost to the Dolphins. In the past two weeks, they've kind of proven themselves to me that I now expect them to make the playoffs. And I wouldn't want to play the Niners in the playoffs. That's for sure. I'm not expecting them to make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, but I definitely, any team in the NFC is not going to look forward to the prospect of playing this Niners team in a, in a playoff game. For me, I think you have to choose based off of 
how you could lose a game. And I think in today's NFL, you're rarely losing a game. I, I think the way that teams are winning games is a QB just gets hot and score. You have to score points. And I don't see right now, I cannot see the Patriots scoring 20 points right now. I mean, they scored 20 against the Raiders and then 10 against the Chiefs, 12 against the Broncos, six against the Niners. I mean, these are decent defenses, but they're not spectacular defenses. I mean, you have to score 20 points and they can't. Whereas a team like the Bengals, they can score, you know, and, and they can get you into a shootout, just kind of how they did with the Browns. And you get into a shootout with them and maybe they get the ball last and they win. And that's kind of what happened with the Browns is they got the ball last and won. You know, and sure. then I think I think we also have to factor in. I'm not going to put all of this down to Cam Newton getting COVID. That being said, before Cam Newton had COVID, they did look good. Not they looked amazing. okay. They looked good. No, they looked good. They looked, and offensively, they looked difficult to handle. Now, since then, they've just lost all of their rhythm. My expectation will be, whilst I think now they'll miss the playoffs, because, I mean, it's, all, it's not that we're doing our weekend previews here, but in a sense, their playoff hopes will be decided this weekend. Because if they lose to the Bills this weekend and they drop to two and five, and the Bills are six and two. The division is out the window, you'd have to think. And then even just making the playoffs through the wild card is going to become tough because you have, you know, three teams in the AFC North that are going to be way above 500. You've got probably someone out of the Raiders or the Chargers who are going to be f- above 500. The Colts are going to be above 500. So and like you have the just... Texans screaming back. <laughs> yeah, you have this, yeah, you have the Texans maybe winning another game this year. You know, like really intimidating. Well, the the thing with Cam with Cam is, you're right. He looked good those first two games, but is that just a very different quarterback? on the Patriots that teams weren't prepared for. And then once they had some game tape of him, they're able to shut him down and make him throw more. And obviously he's not a good throwing QB right now. Is that the reason why they're dropped off? Or is it the COVID issue, which, you know, it's been brought up that some people aren't recovering as well from COVID and he swears he's healthy and fine, but who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think you would hide that. I think at this point he would want to say, yeah, I don't feel that great. This is why I'm playing like shit. Because the stat that was crazy to me, his since he's come back, his QBR is 12.5, which is below abysmal. There's only one quarterback who hasn't hit that, and that's Joe Flacco on the worst team in maybe the history of the NFL right now. So to be that bad in these past two weeks, if it's not COVID-related, then – that's bad. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, he, he looks bad. That's for sure. I mean, I think he's had, he's played against two above average defenses in those games. I know the Broncos are not good, but their, their defense is pretty decent. Um, and the Niners defense is not amazing, but it's pretty good. Um, so there's that aspect also worth noting just while we continue to kind of drive the Texans are bad, uh, line into the ground. Uh, we did discuss Deshaun Watson's very, very slim MVP hopes on Thursday when he was 80 to 1. You'll be pleased to know if you are such a believer, Frank. He's now 100 to 1. So you should, you oh, should leave time him. to hey, buy. More value. More value. I mean, again, statistically, not a terrible game for him. 300 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. <laughs> yeah, great. 
some garbage time yards there though right like they put up their points when the game was over and done probably yeah Uh, here's the interesting thing just also because we talked about so russell wilson's mvp odds have not changed after yesterday which kind of surprises me i thought rogers would now be favored no russell wilson is still odds on wow Uh, i assume murray shot up um Murray is the he has the same odds as he had on Thursday. What what where is he in the ranking? Just like tell me where he's, like he's sixth. So the, there okay. have been a slight like Mahomes has gone second. I think he was third before. So Mahomes and Rogers have had their odds cut. And Tom Brady, I think, was sixteen to one or yep. around there. Here comes was. Brady. And Brady is now twelve to one. Here comes was Brady and he's got Antonio Brown coming next week. Yeah, wouldn't the Patriots love to have a QB like Brady? Like that's <laughs> what they need right now. <laughs> Imagine Tom Brady on the Patriots. How many Super Bowls could they win? <laughs> now here's the interesting one. I love someone, that take, Sam. That's great. I'm going to use that for weeks now. <laughs> someone whose odds did not change, which kind of surprised me, was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield still eighty to one. I wouldn't have expected like a significant shift, but he was really, really good in that second half. I read that was apparently one of the best Browns QB performances, apparently. Is 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 it that sky high? I mean, it was good. It was really good. Well, the issue is that he just, I mean, if he hadn't say, yeah, started so that's off. That's not saying a lot. If he hadn't started off 0 for 5, it makes, and with that interception, it would have been literally flawless. I mean, I think he only yeah. had one incompletion after that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. But it could, and I look, I'm not saying that I expected him to suddenly be 20 to one in the MVP race, but the fact that he put in what will probably be at the end of the year one of the best quarterback performances of the season, and that that didn't change his odds at all, and also in a win that, okay, against a um, not good Bengals team, but that still keeps them right in the playoff hunt, like and potentially divisional hunt. Yeah, it just kind of surprised me. I would have expected if you'd asked me to predict it, I would have said that he's now like 60 to one. Um, but so that that kind of surprises me. Why don't we say that the Bengals aren't that bad? Like when they win I a second game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, again, though, no, that's it's a new team. They're putting up like Burroughs, Mixon was out in that game for a start, but they're putting up really good performances. Just that one they're, game, they're that blowout game against the Ravens. It's 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 again, it's it's another team that has had a pretty tough schedule compared to some other one and five, one and six teams. I mean, arguably they lost against the chargers in that week one where it was really close and they could have won that game, but then they've lost to the Browns twice, the Colts, the Ravens and tied the Eagles and, and beat the Jags. So for the most part, they're winning, they're, they're beating the crappier teams or tying them. um, And then they just can't come through against, the other teams because the Colts that was another game that they were close in as well. You know they have they're they're cl- yeah. even close in losing. Yeah. Well, no, look, I'm not putting them in like the Jets category, um, but equally I'm not putting them in. Wow, this team is feisty and would be difficult to beat in the playoffs. I think every good team will beat them and probably beat them comfortably. Yeah, I think what's good for Did the you Bengals see? is they've clearly got something to build on. Like they, they clearly have sure. the unit that's going to work for a long period of time, and that's good. Well, no, I think if you're well, ex- a Bengals, ex- if if you're a Bengals fan, you've you've seen enough from Burrow this year already to think that you have something exciting for the next fifteen years. 
Except if you're Carlos Dunlap. Did you see that? No. So Carlos Dunlap, um, he he played in a decent amount of the first three games, and then he got kind of benched this last game. He went from like 60, 70% of the snaps to like 15 or 20. So after the game, he got into a pretty heated argument with the coach that he wasn't playing and this and that. So then after the game on Twitter, he posted this on his Twitter, 6,000 square foot city view with huge balcony, four bedroom, four and a half baths in one of the best school districts for sale. Do your market analysis, make me an offer. Serious inquiries only with proof of funds. Owners willing to sell furnished or unfurnished. <laughs> what, a, what a way to say you want to trade. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he's just looking to upgrade to a, a nicer spot in Cincinnati. Maybe. Well, he's in, now, in the best school district already. Where else can he go? Now, the real disappointment from that game, from from, from your perspective, Frank, you've had to maybe retire that the, tight, the Texans are good. You've had to retire that the Steelers are bad. And you're also going to have to retire the OBJ jokes for the rest of the season because it now appears that he's had a season-ending injury. So you might be able to slip one in from time to time, but fundamentally... I, you go on trying to throw it in based on that that comment, but but fundamentally the ob the obj uh, poop jokes are gone. Yeah, I'll try and slip one in, just like one will get slipped on him occasionally still through his recovery. <laughs> but I will say I want to kind of bring this up because I know you had a take on on Mayfield playing better, and I don't know if this was your take. So he went out ironically, I think trying to make a tackle on Mayfield's interception. So Mayfield kind of forced him into that injury, but with him out, he then clearly went off and had a great game. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. It made me think about teams that have that diva type wide receiver and how well they play. So I just, did very briefly. I didn't get too too much into it, but just looking at the past Super Bowl champions, the last one I could find that had a true like diva type personality at the wide receiver was 2002, the Tampa Bay Bucks with Keyshawn Johnson, and that was the year they won. And then the next year, he got into like that huge on-field fight with Gruden, and then was released from the team like a, like five games into the season. So I, you know, he's definitely of that caliber of OBJ, you know, all over the place, screaming, yelling at everyone, emotions, you know, way too high. So is that, could this help Mayfield in the long run and the Browns in the long run, not having him on the field? I only think it helps from the perspective. I don't think he is a negative um he has a negative effect on the team. I do think that the thing the Browns have going for them is they have a lot of weapons and a lot of really capable receivers and backs and everything. And when you remove someone from the field who expects to get, a, get the ball a lot, and not in a bad way, but just knows how good he is and thinks he needs to be one of the centerpieces of their offense, and I think that will impact their play calling and also even Mayfield on the field maybe in terms of it's going to be the first guy he's going to look to or in a tough moment you're going to rely on OBJ and sometimes they get criticized right for not involving him enough like particularly early in the season when they were struggling a bit one of the criticisms was like OBJ is not involved like involved enough in this offense 
And to me, maybe removing that pressure just allows them to bring more people in and to have a more complete offensive approach. And that might really suit them. And I think even when you look against the Bengals, right, he was throwing touchdown passes to guys who, if OBJ had been on the field, probably just wouldn't have really been involved. And he was able to hit random receivers or whatever and kind of, in a sense, hit the best target on each play versus maybe thinking, I have to throw to OBJ. And if it's not OBJ, I need to throw to Landry. And this is kind of the way we're going to go. So I think that I, mean, I know you just them. said no, but every point you just made in there basically said, yes, they will be better without him. <laughs> Well, what I mean is not because it's not his fault. That's kind of what, what I mean. Saying. It kind of is because I think he is a player who demands a ball. And when he doesn't, even it's even if it's just little things of him coming off to the side and throwing his helmet and kicking field goal things like people, teammates notice that, you know, and, and that's especially a quarterback, a young quarterback like Mayfield is going to see you know, one of the top paid receivers getting super frustrated on the sidelines. And he's going to think, oh, shit, you know, maybe I need to start getting him the ball more and start forcing things. And he I'm not saying he's not a great receiver, but the past year or two, you know, since he keeps getting injured and and not is never really at 100 percent, it seems like he's not that dominant out there anymore. You know, he isn't like uh, like, like Michael Thomas is right now or DK Metcalf or any of those people he hasn't been the same the past year or two. So I think they have enough weapons that losing him, I think is only going to help losing that a level personality, but still having so many weapons to go to, I think is going to help them. Maybe. I always think the addition, addition through subtraction stuff with, with players, with squads and squad strength, I think usually it's wrong. Uh, and I don't know if you're right that his on, on the field, but sort of slightly off, right? Like the sideline antics that he has occasionally cannot help. But I I don't think there's any indication that overall he's a bad teammate. So I don't know how much of a diva he necessarily is really within the squad. So we'll see. I mean, time will tell, right? We don't want to overreact because I know the Bengals are not... They're not terrible, but they're not they're not amazing. They're not a playoff caliber team. So the fact that they were able to squeak one out against the Bengals doesn't mean there you go. Come on, Frank. <laughs> come, come again. Squeak one Who out else? or squeak one on because they squeaked one on OBJ by injuring them. That's not even the best use of that. Uh, but just the fact that they were able to squeak by um, the Bengals doesn't mean that they're suddenly have you know like things have been fixed and the Bengals the Bengals have not been good defensively all year so even Mayfield having a great performance and them looking good offensively doesn't mean that they fixed any problems either and there's also nothing to say that they wouldn't have been able to do that with OBJ on the field so we'll wait and see but I'll put it this way him being injured isn't such a big blow to them that suddenly their playoff hopes are gone I think that's clear do you mean blow like the type he was doing off of that Stripper girl in Paris. <laughs> all right, we'll let you get them all out because you've all right. got Frank's final... got two minutes. Go. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> I'm surprised that you haven't told us. I'm sure that OBJ posted something on Instagram about. He hasn't posted yet. I checked. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Have I you checked Ronaldo's? I have not checked Ronaldo's lately. I, I been hope doing? he's still in quarantine. Oh, man. I was driving home. 
five, five six hour drive. <laughs> but okay. But and then I got ruined by going to cook my Hello Fresh, only to find out we forgot to unpack the meat that's underneath the little freezer things. So we have four Hello Fresh meals with none of the meats <laughs> left outside. So gross. So that was a major disappointment to my Sunday. Wait, did you did you not think that there was key ingredients missing when you unpacked it? <laughs> what? No, no, because we got the box literally right before we got into the car to drive. So we kind of just like unpacked it really quickly and threw everything in. And I guess um, she had missed like the underneath because the way it goes is they put the bags on top and then they put like an ice pack and then the meat underneath the ice pack. So I guess she kind of just took the bags out, threw them and then went to go do something else. And I grabbed the box, assuming she had cleared it out and didn't look underneath the ice pack and just threw it out in the garbage. I mean, not, not, not a good combo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's my other, we've discussed kind of the MVP odds. Got two more odds related questions for you. Okay. Let's throw the Chiefs out for the Super Bowl. Um, like, not I'm not dismissing them in terms of their ability, but they're four to one favorites right now uh, to win the Super Bowl. Well, that seems Let's like pretty good odds. A, you think that's good? Four to one's yeah. pretty short for a super for the Super Bowl. It's always one of those things we have to start calculating. If you just bet on them game by game, what odds would you get? And if you think in, that they're in the playoffs, win, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you think they're just going to win three playoff games. You're never going to be that heavy of a favorite in, you know, if they're playing, I don't know who, who they're likely to play in the, in the AFC championship. Texans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this, the Steelers, <laughs> like, uh, you know, the Steelers are the, how heavy of a favorite are they going to be against the Steelers? Maybe four or five points in a playoff game. So you're, you're going to get them at like 1.7, probably 1.6. Then even in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is basically almost always like a three, three and a half point line. So again, you're looking at them like 1.8, 1.85. So four to one isn't bad value, but it is one of those in a sense. If you just bet them game by game, you get close. So throw them out. You then have the Ravens at 11 to two. So 6.5. That's um, terrible value. Well, let's then real talk about the value that's going to really tempt you. Steelers third favorite at eight to one. Oh, so if fair. I give you a choice, if I give you each a choice, you've got to put put some money on either the Steelers at eight to one, the Buccaneers at eight to one, Seattle at ten to one, or Green Bay at ten to one. Which one of those are you taking? I'm I'm probably going to throw out the Seahawks now because I think that was the first performance where if Wilson doesn't perform, they lost, and I think that's going to happen when it gets to kind of like the playoff territory and that kind of thing. To be so fair to Wilson, probably, I, he played pretty well. No, he I mean, did he play well, but it's, yeah. It, but he didn't, he didn't they play They had like 370 yards of offense in the first, in the first half. I but mean, the he, thing he, is, like he, the, he the made reason, three bad throws. The, the reason and, they were so good, though, was because he played flawlessly to compensate for the defense. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he didn't play flawlessly this time and they lost. And you've just got to think at some point that's just going to happen more and more in terms of like coming up against better teams. So I'll probably throw them out. Yeah. You can't just throw out a team. You have to actually yeah, pick one. Pick <laughs> no, I'm, I eliminated one. Now I'm thinking about the rest. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you continue to think. 
going off of the Seahawks, I mean, it's a little quick. I mean, they were undefeated before the loss yesterday, which in a game Eddie and I were talking during the game, I still don't get how they didn't win that game. I mean, maybe it's kind of like that Steelers Titans game where the Steelers were so dominant the first half, the Titans came back. Yeah, you kind of ease off. That first half for the Seahawks, I mean, I didn't think the Cardinals could even stop them in like a certain amount of plays. Like it was every six plays, 70 yards. It was insane. But I'm going to go so far as to say, I, I, it's not just that I don't know how Seattle lost that game. I don't know how they didn't win it by more than 10 points. Like, uh, well, based on how they didn't <laughs> no, but based on how that game went. And if you're them walking off that field, you have to feel that way. You had to be yeah. like, not only did we blow this, like we should have won this easily. Like this shouldn't have For been sure. a come. The, the stat to me, that was the craziest that Sam's alluding to with how bad their defense is. They didn't actually register a hit on Kyler Murray the entire game. That's a pretty crazy stat, considering that means they didn't sack him. And even when he was running, he was able to either slide or get out of bounds before they could even get well, you to You know him. what? I know you complained about him being a little bit of a sissy when he runs with he the ball. He is a sissy say, when he runs the ball. Here's what, I, <laughs> here's what I will say. What he does also really annoy me with, he doesn't really slide. He tends to kind of like collapse to the ground in moments when he sees contact is potentially going to come. And I think he does that intentionally because not to bring back the Niners back into this, but he had a couple crucial uh, penalties for um, uh, like rough, like not uh, for like on, like know, like a hit on a sliding, like, yeah. yeah, unnecessary roughness, whatever. Um, in that Niners game, and it's because when he's like running with the ball, he'll suddenly sort of awkwardly fall to the ground, almost like semi head first. It kind of just looks like he's been shot almost at times, but he's just like diving down quickly to get out of contact as as quickly as possible, and. I don't. I, part of me suspects he does it on purpose because he knows that it makes it a little bit harder for defenders to react to it, and so that they have they're more likely to not pull out of a hit on him. This is no this is Eddie. Kind of, Eddie, don't don't you know? He played baseball. He's the best slider. That's oh, why yeah. he's so such a good slider because he played baseball. Did you know he played baseball? Did you know he was a, a what is a <laughs> third pick overall, and he had a six million dollar signing bonus? Did you know that? I didn't actually. I, I Every must have been, game, I was too. I was too it. busy focusing on uh, on uh, Fitzpatrick and the fact that he went to Harvard. But and he's quirky, <laughs> super quirky. Yeah. All right, so you, so I'll I'll, but, I'll give you mine. Okay, mine is the Bucks because every week they seem to just be gelling more and more. Once you get to the playoffs, I can never rule out Tom Brady whether he's. 23, 33, 43, 63 years old. Uh, you can't rule out Brady in a playoffs. He's a he's a really good competitor, and you're that team is stacked. I, I mean, if he was 66, you'd still wouldn't rule him out. No, he'd probably be the best coach ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I get their what you're team saying. is stacked, and their team is stacked on offense and on defense. Their defense is good. I mean, yeah, when you have a team that can put up 35 plus points. And limit the other team to you know in the twenties, yeah. Like there's not many teams in the NFL that can do that right now. They have two things going against them. I do think the Bucks would be my pick out of those four. They have two things going against them. One, they're bringing Antonio Brown in, 
So who knows how he's going to disrupt that locker room. He's going to be handing out like gummy bear bags of dicks or like probably like shooting one of them or something. Who, who knows what's going to happen? Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. What was that? Why, why, why would he be doing that? <laughs> Just... He, cause you know, you can buy those. They're the kind of joke things. It's like they're gummy bears, but not obviously gummy. They're like gummy candies shaped like dicks. And then you hand them to people and they just like, like eat a bag of dicks. It's this like gimmicky thing that people by and when his girlfriend or whatever when he had that issue where they had to call the police because she was taking a car that she said was her car you know that whole story that happened like after he got cut from the patriots there's like weird thing going on part of it was that he had some of those bags so i think he gave one he gave them to her and i think he may have even like handed them over to the police as well i can't remember the exact details of the story but he's a big fan of the like eat a bag of dicks uh, gummies. But anyway, they've got that. They've now they've now thrown that volatile substance into their locker room. The second thing is the longer the season goes on, you know, like Brady's brain function, you're helping that the dementia doesn't progress more between now and and you know late January. By then, who knows? He will no longer be eating solid foods. You know, he'll, he'll be throwing the ball just the he'll just be snapping it and throwing it the wrong way. You it'll know, just be knows? an arm. It would just be an arm. Everything else, like body and mind, would just be degraded down. I mean, actually, now that I thought it about it, when I come when I combine those two points, maybe that's why they're bringing Antonio Brown in because they know that Brady's going to be off solid foods within a few months, and those bag of dicks are going to be the only thing he can survive on. <laughs> You can see the headlines. <laughs> Brady wins championship credits bag of dicks for victory. <laughs> it will be like, it'll be like when Marshawn Lynch used to have the Smarties, you know, that you like pour into his mouth after touchdowns and stuff, but it will just be, it will just be Antonio Brown shoving bag, like dick gummies into Brady's mouth after each completion. Quote Tom <laughs> Brady. I thought they were real. I didn't know they were gummies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, I was thinking the Bucks as well for similar reasons to Frank. But also, I mean, the value bet there out of all of them was the Packers, right? They were on the outside. Maybe. And the, the Packers, I think if you're putting them face-to-face, the Bucks versus the Packers, both have good QBs. I give, obviously, the edge to Rodgers. Weapons around them, I give the edge to the Bucks. Defense, I give the edge to the Bucks. So... In that regard, I mean, I think, I think the Bucks are a better pick there. I mean, my, here's what I would say is, if now Packers with home field, I wouldn't want to see Brady, for example, playing in Lambeau when it's snowing, if he's at his age, like that, I wouldn't feel good about. But assuming that they don't have a really bad weather game in the playoffs. Like say it was either a neutral field, say a neutral field game, whose favorite Bucks or Packers, I'd say the Bucks are favorite. And similarly, if I thought Bucks versus Steelers, I think the Bucks would be favorite too. And I think the Seahawks would be the underdogs in all of those scenarios right now. Yeah. Now the crazy one is the Saints are fourteen to one, and I don't know what games people are watching. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally don't know. Maybe people, Wait. maybe the guys setting these odds are watching like replays of the Saints from four years ago because they're clearly not watching them struggle week in, week out. Wait, that makes no sense. They're not even like joint with like 
Titans, 49ers. The, the Titans Bills. are 20 to 1. The Bills are 22 to 1. The Cardinals, now here's insane. The Cardinals, Rams, and Niners are all 25 to 1. I don't know the universe in which the Cardinals are winning the Super Bowl, but even in if I accept the concept that our infinite parallel uniform, universes existing at once, there's not a single one in which the Cardinals are winning the Super Bowl. Just beat the only undefeated team left in the NFC. I just wish that my internet had let me down while I was saying that, so I'd gone like robotic like Stephen Hawking, so that my parallel universe <laughs> take would have just sounded way more <laughs> believable. <laughs> so, but out of those three, you think the Rams and the Niners have better shots than the Cards? A hundred percent. I think the Rams have the best shot because I think... I'm kind of torn because I think the Rams have the best shot of winning that division out of those three. So in that way, they have the best Super Bowl odds. But at the same time, if I imagine who would I be kind of, again, going on that principle of who do I think teams would be most worried about playing in a playoff scenario, I think it would be the Niners out of those three. Okay, let me ask you this. This is a little different, but give me your Week 17 NFC West final standings. So you got Seahawks five and one, Cardinals five and two, Rams four and two, Niners four and three. I'm gonna put the Seahawks at twelve and four, maybe thirteen and three. I'm gonna put the Rams at eleven and five. I'm gonna put the Niners at ten and six, and I'm gonna put the Cardinals at nine and seven. Wow. Your disrespect for the Cardinals is so bad. We just openly admitted that they shouldn't have won the game that they just won. I don't know why. You know what, Eddie? Sometimes it's destiny. But I haven't looked. I mean, let me look at their schedule. Okay, they're playing the Dolphins next. That's a win. Then they're playing the Bills. That's a loss. They're playing the Seahawks again. That's a loss. They're playing the Patriots. I'm going to call that a win. They're playing the Rams. I'm going to say that's a loss. They're playing the Giants. Win. Eagles. Win. Niners, I'm going to say loss and Rams loss. So they at least got four more wins in there. So at yeah, least got nine. Them, which puts them right where I said they'd be, nine and seven. At least nine. I mean, that's assuming that my predictions are correct. So I don't have many free coffees left. But yeah, any other... Apart from that, it was, it was actually a fairly uneventful weekend. Now, okay, uh, maybe the most interesting uh, game in some respects was the Lions-Falcons game in which the Falcons found Amazing. another incredible way to lose a match, a match, a game, when Todd Gurley, which this was the interesting one, right? Because so they'd had the Penn State game had a similar scenario. I mean, Frank, you probably oh. watched it. I didn't watch the Penn State game, but oh, I saw the highlights. That game. And they made exactly <laughs> the same. Penn State made exactly no, no, the same. No, no, this is different. It's it's a it's they, Penn State made a much worse error okay but fundamentally was already up because here's the argument though that some people still make is that the falcons were down and some people argue that you still take the points no matter what because what happens if you go for your chip shot field goal and it gets blocked or the snap is bad whereas you know if he crosses that line he's getting 
the touchdown, you're getting the points and you're giving the ball back to them with 60 seconds left to have to score. Yeah, a I mean, th those people are wrong, but okay. They, they are wrong, but it's, it's a, you can still make a slight argument that points are points when you're up a score, when you're already up and you have the ball and all you have to do is run out the clock, but instead you go and score a touchdown. That is completely wrong. That is the dumbest thing you could do. You could do. And it's so sad sure. because you have to know that they told him 14 times, don't go in the end zone. We've won this game. Just get the first down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I, I think you could spin that either way. I think you could say if you're already winning, then, but you're only winning by one. Yeah. I, I still think, look, you, in a way you, I think you can spin it either way. I, I think probably if you did the, you know, you're the stats man, right? I'm sure if you did the odds, the impact of your winning percentages, the shift from either one, it's probably it's very, very similar. Like the Falcons, if they, if Todd Gurley doesn't score that. So for context, for anyone who wasn't watching it, it was under the two minute warning. The Falcons were down by two, I think two or one. Yeah. And Todd Gurley uh, got the first down, so they were they were maybe they were on around the sort of ten yard line, and then the, they were going to get the first down around the three yard line, something like that. He got the first down. He kind of tried to fall down before going into the end zone, but kind of fell into the end zone and ended up falling yeah, in for a touchdown. Like, just barely fell in. At which point that meant that the Lions got the ball back and then eventually drove down the field and scored the winning touchdown. Whereas if he had stopped himself from going in the end zone, they just take three knees, kick the field goal as time expires and likely win the game. Assuming the field goal is good, which considering it would have been a 25 yard field goal, the conversion rate on that from NFL kickers is probably 99%. It was 97. I, I, I okay. saw it. Someone posted it. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that when Stafford um, had that, uh, like with 57 seconds left, the Falcons' chance of winning was 98.7%. And it's, what is it, the first time in a season uh, that a team has lost three games by like, at, at, a, at a point of being over 98% chance of winning. And Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. It's over half. That, that's just under half their games. I mean, that's pretty special. No, it's yeah. incredible. There was now, here's another a, here's stat, a, Sam. But, but it, it was real quick, real quick. Just is the third, third loss with ninety-eight or higher. The entire NFL so far has only played four of those games. So there's been only one other instance that this has happened so far this year, and they have three of the four. I now mean, here's what, the other thing I will say because what is it though? Poor decision making, poor execution. I mean, it sounds like. Poor decision making, but he also sounds like an idiot rolling into the end zone. So is that poor execution? No, here's well, the thing: is this is this is the important thing to remember, and this is why I brought up the Penn State game, because during the Penn State game, Todd Gurley twice in his NFL career has done exactly what he was supposed to do, which is give a, in, turn down a touchdown to go down on the one yard line, and he's even done it in instances where he's had like much more where you'd argue that him scoring a touchdown would have probably put the game out of reach, but he's actually chosen to go down. Like he's had situations where his touchdown would have made it a two score game, but he's still gone down. And so after the Penn state game, the irony kind of of what ended up happening was after that Penn state game, 
everyone referenced the multiple times that Todd Gurley has done exactly what the <laughs> Penn State player should have done. And then less than 24 hours later, Todd Gurley makes the mistake that he was being praised for not making. So I don't think, I mean, it's, it must be tough because the, 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 in a way, the mistake that Todd Curley made was he tried to break that tackle. Like when you watch it, he breaks a tackle when he's already got the first down and he should have just let himself be tackled. But obviously when your instinct, instinct is kicking in when you're being tackled, that's probably not the easiest thing to do. But he fundamentally should have just gone down there and then. And then once he broke the tackle, he kind of had like a little bit of momentum going forward and then fell into this awkward position of trying to stop himself. And you can tell he did try and stop himself. I'll also say one of the more unique situations I don't think I've ever seen defensive players signaling a touchdown before because when Todd Gurley kind of falls sort of into the end zone, but it's unclear if he broke the plane, you had Lions players literally signaling a touchdown to the officials. Like that was bizarre. Well, this is, I have to give credit to the, to the one Lions, I guess, cornerback or safety. So for those who didn't see the exact play, like Eddie's saying, he runs through the hole and the, the linebacker like kind of pretends like he's going to tackle him and doesn't. But then there's a safety that like kind of wraps up on his back for like a yard or two and then lets go. And he, Gurley runs in. Now, when you fast forward in hindsight, they had, to, they had told the Lions defense to let him score. So this Lions defender made such a nice play of, pretending he was going to tackle Gurley to make Gurley want to push through the tackle to score a touchdown, but didn't tackle him enough as to actually accidentally bring him down. Now that is an impressive ability to be able to fake tackle someone enough to have them drive through and score, but not to accidentally pull them down. That was impressive. <laughs> well, either that or you're giving him way too much credit and the Lions defense. Just you just off. forgot. And that was, yeah. that was a legitimate attempt to tackle him. And after he went off the field, they were like, oh man, that was great. Good job pretending to tackle him there. And he was like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 for uh, sure. Yeah, well, nailed it, nailed it. In, in the timeout, they, they told all the players, like when they run, just let him score. Oh Do no, sure. And look, him. they did, they did the reverse, right? In the, in the timeout, all the Falcons players said, don't score a touchdown. So, you know, they all got very clear yeah. instructions as to what the scenario was. I always find that an interesting one because it, it even bothers me when we talk about like NFL scenarios. It bothers me when a team doesn't let them score. Like even, you know, there's there are moments when not even that they're going to be able to like kneel, like, ne like actually kill all of the clock. But when it's, oh, if we let them score now, we're going to get the ball back with two minutes and 15 seconds left. Whereas... They're, they've got like first and goal from the two. Maybe we're going to be able to get the ball back with, you know, 70, like uh, 60, you know, 60, 40 seconds left. And it's just like, why don't you just let them score and give yourself time as much? Like the, the concept that you might stop them, hold them on four consecutive plays from your one or your two, which occasionally happens. I mean, it obviously happened in the Arizona uh, Seattle game where the Metcalf, like chasing him down, then resulted in no points coming up. Um, but just a crazy ending in the Falcons. I don't know if you're a Falcons fan, how you process this season. I guess you're happy they're losing because you won the better pick, but it, it's just got to be heartbreaking because you're probably picturing the universe in which you're you've won those three. You're a playoff team. Maybe yeah. you've won those three. Yeah. You've, 
you haven't defied great odds to lose them, but instead did what the 98% odds said you would do and won. (laughs) Yeah. Now, wait, wait, real quick. Just I want to wrap up and finish that game. Did you see at the very end what happened though for the Lions? So they scored with no time left, but then Amendola got hit with an unsportsmanlike conduct and they needed the extra point to win. So the extra point became a 48-yard extra point that they had a hit with no time left to win it. So that uh, I thought was also pretty interesting. The worst possible time to do a stupid unsportsmanlike conduct would be when you need a game-winning extra point and you make it into you know, a 50-yard field goal at that point that isn't a chip shot and is probably yeah. what like 70% success, 80% success, you know, you see probably more nowadays, but you, yeah, you've, you've probably reduced your chances of winning by at least like yeah, five to 10%. So just a, a crazy action. game in general, crazy last minute. Now, speaking of players who knew not to run into the end zone, <laughs> one of the big highlights of the week was obviously Daniel Jones losing his balance on his 80 yard <laughs> run. Um, now there's a guy, see, he's just, he's thinking of every scenario. He's, he's, he's been watching Todd Gurley highlights and he knows what to do. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to come after the giants for that one. I, so I here's feel, two, two things. I I'm feel sorry say. for him. Two things I'll give it one. They ended up scoring a touchdown on the play. So it doesn't look, it, it just makes him look kind of goofy and at least, it's not like, oh, you couldn't score a touchdown, and of course your team didn't score because you suck. They've scored, so at that point you can kind of just laugh it off. I think if you're him, yeah, it sucks, and I'm sure you're not happy that that happened, but at least you can be like, well, we scored, so whatever. I kind of just tripped. I made an ass on myself. You can kind of laugh it off. The other thing is his top speed was 21.23 miles per hour, and they compared that to Tyreek Hill's top speed, which was 21.29 so he's 0.06 miles per hour slower than Tyreek Hill's fastest play this year. No, which I mean, is pretty yeah. impressive. I saw, I saw, I think the stat was he was the fastest quarterback ball carrier on a run in, in six years or something like that. Which is so, crazy. And I think it was also the furthest run by a quarterback not to score. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Something that's quite like impressive. that. That's an impressive. Here's, here's the risk, right, for him. You're right. In the end, it was kind of insignificant. It had no impact on the outcome of the game. So it's not embarrassing in that respect. And I actually feel genuinely kind of bad for him because I just see how it can happen. Um, it, it shouldn't happen, but I can see how it can happen. The risk is that that's your defining career highlight. And <laughs> in a way, that like Mark Sanchez is always the butt fumble that Daniel Jones is always going to be tripping up when no one was around him, you know, and it's not as embarrassing as the butt fumble, but it's still going to be like the go-to thing people remember you for. And that also in the same way that Sanchez's career never recovered from the butt fumble, there is a risk that if he, if he goes through the rest of this season, just having this highlight shown every game, which put it this way, this is that highlight is going to be shown in the next three or four games at least. Oh, for sure you might just get just sort of demoralized and and it might just his career is not looking great anyway but this might be one of the final nails in the coffin is he dying this yeah yeah he is yeah trevor lawrence is currently digging his grave (laughs) i mean it's one of the jets can only get one damn win (laughs) (laughs) well i mean here's the thing too right they're still they're only uh one and a half games back 
their playoff hopes are not gone. Yeah, and think about that. If you're Washington right now, you have to be so pissed that you didn't win that game on that two-point conversion against them. I know. I thought I had to think about it. Because at that point, the Washington football team, they'd be in first place right now if they could have converted two-point conversion, which is crazy to think about Washington being in first place. Yeah, the crazier argument might be if they'd played Alex Smith all year. Not that they're playing Alex Smith, but if they had played Alex Smith all year, they may be in first place. Yeah. And and that actually brings me maybe to wrap up our kind of NFL segment. That in a way brings me on to another point, which of these teams, if you had to bet on a division winner, which would you feel more most confident about? So I'll give you the the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Eagles, and the Ravens. Who's be, uh, what's the record for the Bucks behind them? It's the Saints. So the Saints are uh, four and two, and the Bucks are five and one. Uh, five so and am two. I picking the most, the most likely? Yeah. Who would you feel most confident? Like, if I'm telling you to put all your yeah. money on, as so, as scary as this sounds, I would have to say the Eagles, because the, the Cowboys oh. are done. I mean. <laughs> That was whew, that was wicked, and the Redskins. I'm I. Oh shit! Damn it! You set me up. No, you set me up. No, you say they didn't set yourself me up. up. <laughs> you set yourself up. I was doing so well. Thirty seconds ago. Thirty seconds ago, I had it. I think I saw the Eagles have something like a sixty-three percent chance of winning that division at the moment, based on um, what's happened and what's going to happen. I guess. Uh, I, I would go the already know what's going to happen. That's pretty uh, impressive. Well, I don't because otherwise the Falcons, <laughs> are, have, the Falcons are 98.7. I would have thought they have a 100% chance of winning then if we can factor in knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true, actually. I'd be pretty terrible if I knew <laughs> still got it wrong. But then again, the Falcons seem to come very close to basic certainty of still not being able to do it. I mean, I would go the Bucks. Yeah, I'd put money on the Bucks. So the Bucks of those teams of of the um, of the four that I gave you, the Eagles are the heaviest favorite. They're one point six two to win the division. The Bucks are one point six six. The Seahawks are one point eight, and the Ravens are one point eight three. I think that's fair. I think that's what how I would have put them basically. Yeah. I guess the difference I mean, between the Eagles and the Bucks, the Bucks are clearly the better team, but behind them you have the Saints versus behind the Eagles you have Washington. I mean, that's not even a comparison. Admittedly, we're we're missing the real value, right? Which is the Texans are fifty to one to win their division. And we should Oof. just be piling on that. Licking your chops at that. <laughs> now get it now before before they start winning. Like now, those lions, like those lions are okay, coming no. back. No, no, you got to retire that one too. Um, speaking of retiring points, I also have to retire one of mine. Is it that Jimmy G is good? No, it's that the Cowboys are good. And I'm going to say unfortunate circumstances have confirmed the fact that they're bad. First, obviously, Dak going out and then Andy Dalton literally being murdered on the field didn't help them either. <laughs> Um, God, it was like, so bad. 
I, I honestly, I think, I think what happened to Andy Dalton was worse than what happened to Dak. And I don't mean in terms of the intent of the, the defensive player making the play. Uh, I just mean in the sense that if you could actually tell me which one I'd rather have happen to me, I think I'd rather break my ankle than have my head nearly knocked off. I don't, I don't know if I can agree with that because the ankle I, is so gross. And it I was, think, I think, five hours of surgery, supposedly. What I didn't yeah, get when, about the... But when um, Dak woke up from his anesthetic, he remembered who he was. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, but Eddie, the, I, Eddie, I'm already living that, so I know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with the Dalton picture, though, is that they seemingly caught the moment where he got concussion exactly. <laughs> like you see this horrible squint in his eyes. It's a really strange shot. Like ESPN ran with it. Like um, all of the people ran with it. And they were just like, oh, he's questionable for the next game. I was like, I don't even think he can spell questionable at the moment, like, let alone go out next week. It was, it was a weird photo to look at him just getting absolutely destroyed. For me, oh, there's, I there's think no for way, this, there's no way he's playing next week. No, I was gonna say for the sake of the NFL and player safety, but also just so fans aren't throwing things at their TVs anymore. I think the NFL needs to put some sort of stricter punishment or penalty or something at any idiotic, asinine player who still wants to try and dive and tackle at the quarterback when they're starting to slide. It is the most frustrating thing to watch on TV because no matter how many times you tell me football, such a fast game of split decisions, it's not a split decision when the quarterback's going to slide and all of a sudden, instead of tackling someone how you normally would, you're driving your shoulder into the ground. If you're driving your shoulder into the ground, you clearly know you're going to hit him while he's sliding. It's not like they go to tackle him and he just whoops suddenly dips under you and slides and like you like tackle on top of his body. They're clearly diving down at him. Just don't do it. Just stop. The next time someone does that, it should be like automatic disqualification from the game because they need to get rid of it. Because when you're watching a game and your team does that and costs you 15 yards for the stupidest penalty, it's it's it drives me insane. I 100 percent agree with you. And I don't know how you can fairly punish them. Like, but they have to do something to stop it. They have to rugby. do something. Rugby does something similar. Uh, rugby implemented something this season, wasn't it, for the international season, was that if uh, if you basically don't wrap and you go in for that kind of full contact, then you're automatically off as a red card. But the problem with it is that, I guess, similar with the sliding in the um, NFL, is if a player's falling or coming down in rugby and then you go in at a respectable height, but naturally, because they're lower to the ground, it doesn't look respectable. It can be considered a little bit unfair to be sent off for that reason. So would there be that kind of problem in the NFL? No, the, the, like the, the problem with the NFL is you don't have the, the American football doesn't have the concept of like a penalty box or a player being well, he, sent off. I mean, he, he was given a 15 and sent off. But I no, think, sure. But I losing think the player every time, doesn't matter. It doesn't every matter. Every time that they get a penalty like for that, they should be sent off. And maybe that'll start driving home the message that no, just but, stop doing it. Just stop. But, no, to me, that doesn't matter because, look, if you told me I can lose my – even if he's your star linebacker, if the exchange is, oh, we just knocked your quarterback out of the game and we lost our linebacker, which teams lost that exchange? So in a way, you would be like, oh, bad move, but 
you know what, on this grand scheme of things, our chances of winning have probably improved. So unless you told me they were sent off in the in the sense that the the team who he sent off for is playing a man down on defense for the remainder <laughs> of the game. Crazy. <laughs> the only other thing I think is like, if I was going to steal ideas from other, they're never going to do that. Right. Cause it would just, you just get slaughtered. Like yeah. the, 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 you'd be, it would be so easy for, for now, either you could tell me they play the remainder of that drive down, a, down a man that I could maybe be on board with or two, you award a penalty touchdown. Aren't you just going to go hell for leather on like third though, third down? Because you're just like, well, if they don't get one, then they're back on the pitch. It's almost like the loss, the win loss. No, of- I'm just, I'm just, I'm like spitballing ideas here, right? But to I mean, me, the, or, pe- the penalty yeah. touchdown is the only thing that I could kind of be like, this makes the most sense. You just give yeah. them seven points. And even if you told me they get seven points and they get the ball kicked back to them, like that to me seems like the most effective yeah. way of really punishing a team because otherwise yeah. just saying like oh we've just this player is off that he's been ejected now it's like well he might be your fourth string linebacker who cares yeah and the thing too is i'm i like, like i said i'm so sick of people arguing about how like oh it's a split split second game you know he's just trying to make a tackle in what planet is that guy making a tackle like that like how he did there's no way. He clearly knows what he's doing. He's going to hit him while he's sliding. So until they can, until players stop doing that, they have to figure out some way to force them to stop going after the QB when they're sliding. Because it's it's frustrating for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating for the team that gets their QB knocked out. It's frustrating for the team that's rooting for the defense because now you've just given them a no-brainer first down. You know, it's it, on every level, it's dumb. No, I agree with you. They had I I thought that at the time because it was it was game over for the Cowboys. So not that they were gonna win anyway. They looked terrible. So Andy Dalton going out probably didn't significantly alter their chances, but it did just firmly shut the door. I mean, the fact that it's not a good sign when you have a quarterback come in who I literally had no idea who he was. <laughs> and I know he'd got some snaps in the week before in the blowout to the Cardinals. So technically he already had three snaps in the NFL or whatever it was. But still, I was, I was literally, they were like, Ben DiNucci is coming in. And I was like, I don't know if this is a real guy or if the <laughs> announcers are just like playing a joke and they've just made up a random name to see if you know who the third string quarterback for the, for the Cowboys is. Unfortunately, due to the limited fan base, we couldn't get the best available athlete in the fans. We had to get the only one that's available in the stands. And yeah. It's Ben DiNucci. Yeah. <laughs> Say hello yeah. to the crowd, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> He's like waving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like ben, ben won the raffle at halftime. Congratulations! Congratulations on seeing it's just some, it's just some It's just some eight-year-old child. <laughs> like, Not only did Ben win the fifty-fifty, he gets to get murdered on the field. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the I last mean, thing I want to bring up before we finish football. Is no, before deep. no, before we hold on, hold on. Before we move on to the Cowboys game, you know there is one trade that is being talked about, which is the Cowboys to trade for the quirkiest quarterback in the league. For Fitzmagic. Really? Well, we How can we can talk about that because I am that not be? on board with what the Dolphins are doing. Especially now with the Patriots. You're, you're wrong there. No, I'm not because they're they are in contention for a playoff spot right now, and Fitzmagic is not playing bad. Why are you wasting the season? He's not being he's not he's, great either. 
He's not great. Yeah, either. but you're, you're putting in a rookie who you haven't even seen play yet. And Fitzmagic, the, well, they uh, yeah, great. He's, I think this is, They've I think this is unfair practice. to him when he's got a team that has potential to get a, a backdoor spot to the playoffs. I mean, what are they, one game out of their division? I would have thought the only person in the league with a backdoor spot to the playoffs is OBJ. <laughs> yeah, but that's a backdoor spot from the front because he wants it in the face. <laughs> what? That the that was I get what look, I get what you, I get what you're saying, but there's three I think people are going overboard with how good Fitzpatrick has A been this year and B how good the Dolphins have looked at this year. They're three and three. Fitzpatrick, even against the Jets, he didn't look great. They were just beating an awful team, but he looked mediocre. Who looked and, better against the Jets? Him or Josh Allen? I mean, the Jets but, looked better as a team. They looked as if they'd actually remembered how to play some football. So it's a little bit different. And I think that was almost because they realized that they didn't have to act, put in zero effort for the to be sure that the Bills were going to beat them. But <laughs> the, like the, I get what you're doing. And I mean, we've seen it already this year in terms of giving the rookie a starter. Like maybe two is not going to be good enough. Who knows? Maybe they're going to fall apart. But if they feel like they have someone there who is capable of being an NFL starter right now, you should let him play. They're probably they're probably not going to make the playoffs anyway. And even if they did make the playoffs, they are going to lose in the first round. So why not have one more year of knowing what you have and a few more games for Tua to learn your system better? I mean, it's even impacts, right? Even just during the week, he's not going to be getting first-team snaps. Like all those kind of things, you need him to be getting that to really be developing, and otherwise, you're you're literally just having him study like study the playbook and study film, and that's it basically. But aren't you also risking someone who just came off of a major hip surgery to go out when it's not necessary for him to go out right now? Sure, but I'm assuming you know they they obviously need to be absolutely certain that he is not at risk or not at more risk of re-injuring himself now than he would be say a year from now. I mean, if you had an injury that big, there's always an element of risk there. And it's in particularly in a sport, right? Where bad injuries happen. I don't want this to be a scenario where he breaks his ankle in the way that Dak Prescott did. And everyone's like, you see, you shouldn't have played Tua. And it's like, that has nothing to do with his previous injury. What if he breaks his hip again? Well, then that's just bad luck. And it looked honestly, in a way, if I if I was if I were the Dolphins and Tua is if Tua is destined to break his hip again, I would rather he breaks his hip now than breaks his hip a year from now. Because if you are looking at the landscape in their division, the Bills are going to probably be good for a significant period of time now. There's no reason why the Bills shouldn't be good, you know, a playoff team for the next ten years. Basically, you're locking that in. What you might be starting to think is there's every chance that the Patriots kind of really drop off a cliff in the next six to 12 months. And a, so a bigger need, cliff than they've just dropped off of already. Yeah. So the dolphins need to be thinking they need to be primed to take at least the second spot in that division. And the best way to know if you're in a position to do that is to start your rookie QB. Admittedly, like I don't really Fitzpatrick annoys me most of the time with all the quirkiness. It was a little bit sad when he was genuinely emotional 
speaking about losing his job. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I did feel, feel bad for him. I'm not going to feel too sorry for him because he's been making millions of dollars for years and years and years. So, you know, it's not like he just got fired and he's now wondering how he's going to pay all his bills. But well, he's got he, like 27 kids, so maybe he is. <laughs> he did genuinely seem upset, and that was kind of sad to see. I mean, just yeah. Did you know he actually went to an Ivy League school? Yeah, I heard he went to Yale. Yeah, did you hear that? <laughs> hey, if I told you that Ben DiNucci went to an Ivy League school, would you believe me? He didn't. No, he went to James Madison, but he also went knew? to Pitt before that. Yeah, always a good sign. Yeah. But yeah, before we finish, we got to get onto the DK Metcalf tackle because that was insane. So for those who didn't stay up for Sunday Night Football, Buda Baker, the safety for the cards, makes a nice read on a ball that Russ Wilson, I don't, I think just didn't think Buda Baker knew what was happening, but he did. And it was, it was a weird, the way it transpired was kind of weird because Russ Wilson just kind of lofted it up, not thinking that Buda Baker would even be there. And then Buda Baker kind of looked and saw this gift just handed to him. So he picks it off like what at the one yard line or like in the end zone, maybe and just sprints to open I think field maybe just in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. And DK Metcalf just gets on his horse. I mean, he's pretty much is a literal horse. He's a monster. And the picture of him chasing down <laughs> Buda Baker is like a grown man chasing down a 12 year old kid. And it reminded me of Mr. Larson and happy Gilmore. I sent you guys the, the little he, screenshot. Hey, you sent I me believe this, that belongs I... to Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> He's got like the yes, arms because the DK is... Metcalf's running with his arms really like high up, just like Mr. Larson is. <laughs> I believe that jacket belongs to Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> so you send that to us. And then that made me have to look up, um, DK Metcalf's height and uh, Buda Baker's height. And the discrepancy isn't that huge. But so the Buda, size, overall size. Overall sizes. It's, it's like a five inch uh, difference in height, which is big. But I mean, Buda, Baker's, foot. <laughs> Buda Baker's not a small man. He's nearly six foot tall or is six foot tall, I think. So but, it's not, I think it's six foot to six foot four is the difference. It's not some like crazy. But it's, it's not, like 200 to 260. In no, sure. And I mean, the crazier thing was just chasing him down because Buda Baker had a significant head start. And also yeah, so, he's no slouch, so he, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not like a de, like defensive lineman trying to run home. Like no. he's not, it's not Vince Wilfork trying to, trying to make it like it's, you know, it's it's a pretty quick guy. So closing the gap on him was impressive. So Buda Baker said he's never been caught like that before in his professional career. You know, I'm sure when he played high school and college, things like that. But DK Metcalf, they did the next gen stats. He ran 116 yards on the play to catch him and run him down. So that alone, running 116 yards and still being able to catch up to the person who's run. 90 you know 20 less yards and he was running 22.6 miles per hour which is for a man who's over 250 pounds is freaking insane wow. he is just a beast yeah he, he, he's a freak so i thought that was that was that was the craziest thing i think i saw all weekend wait 22 mile an hour did you say 22.6 22.6 yeah 
I'm pretty sure like Frankel had a coasting speed of about 34, 35. <laughs> like that is crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. He is enormous. And the other thing that, that like I love, I don't know if you've ever seen this, like it's just got to do with the Happy Gilmore because of the, how he looks like that guy from Happy Gilmore chasing down Shooter McGavin at the end. Did you ever see like when ESPN puts up, like they'll put up a small video and it'll be of like, I don't know, so-and-so doing this spectacular thing. And then the first comment always in the video is Happy Gilmore accomplished this feat no more than an hour ago, no matter like what it is. It's my favorite troll job <laughs> that they do on any ESPN video. It could be like, like um, the one of the good ones was when that Oregon female basketball player had like the most triple doubles in NBA history or NCAA history. And then the first comment was happy Gilmore accomplished this no more than an hour ago. Like they're completely irrelevant, but it's just so, it's such a good troll line. I love it. I've got, I've got one more question for you then Frank, because my uh, internet situation means that I sometimes take very bizarre YouTube deep dives. Yeah. And I was watching an interview where the golf golf.com uh, was speaking with Johnny Manziel and wait, wait, golf.com was speaking with Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Cause he now just lives in Arizona and plays golf. This is where, this is where his life has got to. I thought I saw him. <laughs> he lives in Scottsdale, I think. I'm sure. He and does. just plays golf. <laughs> and so two interesting things came out of it. Well, one it was interesting because they speak a lot to him about the failure of his NFL career. And whilst he does admit some fault, he kind of treats it as if like he was self-sabotaging because he didn't want to be in Cleveland. Like there's still not a lot of ownership there about the fact that he just completely blew his opportunity to be an NFL quarterback. The second thing is they asked him what's the the biggest, like the highest, the largest sum of money he's played golf for. And it's a hundred thousand dollars. He said was the biggest bet he's played. God he's placed on a golf game. Now, admittedly, I think that's like a hundred thousand in total over different holes. So there's yeah, yeah. the reality is even if you get crushed, you're not losing a hundred thousand. Like you lose by seven holes, you're losing whatever. I mean, you're still losing, you know, $40,000, but it's very unlikely you're, you're losing the full hundred. The, the, ne the most interesting question I think they asked him was if they had to make a movie about your life, which actor would you want to play you? They took my they took my icebreaker. <laughs> no way. They, they took your icebreaker. Who do you think Johnny Manziel picked to play him in a movie about his oh, life? Oh God, he did not choose Matt Damon, did he? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't want Matt Damon playing me and Johnny Manziel <laughs> <laughs> in the same movie. Really confusing plot line. <laughs> Oscar winner. <laughs> He's reprising two weird roles. Um, yeah. Okay. So, oof, that's a tough one. I, you know what? Mm, I was gonna say maybe like Tom Hardy. No. It's such a weird pick that I'm gonna say you probably have a zero percent chance of getting it. Is it? Oh wait, is it uh, Jaquin Phoenix? No. Weird as in still famous or super famous person, super, super famous. 
not similar. Is he like in... just doesn't fit the mold of what no. you'd expect Johnny Manziel to look like. Um, I mean, they don't look that dissimilar, but not similar in age at all. And just a bizarre choice as to who you'd want to play yourself in a movie. Charlie so Theron. <laughs> no. So he picked, <laughs> he picked Adam Sandler. I should have known that I with the Happy Gilmore that. thing, yeah. And yeah, and because of the um what's the stupid it, football movie he did? Uh oh the, the wasn't longest stupid, yard. It's actually decent. The longest yard, yeah. Yeah, the remake. When he plays one on one basketball with Michael Irvin. <laughs> Classic. It's just yeah. in a way, I think it's bizarre, but it's maybe it's maybe the right choice because it's a reflection of the way Johnny Manziel approached his football career that he would want Adam Sandler to play him in the movie where like his focus isn't actually on the football or the athletic achievements. It's kind of in his personality and his, how he's perceived and his off the field antics. So it's clearly him being like, well, my movie about me would be funny. Right. Like that's basically what he's saying. Like forget about all the athletic achievements. Fundamentally, like my life story is Johnny Menzel, the person, not Johnny Menzel, the football player. I think now, do you, do you think he chooses that after seeing Uncut Gems with all of like the gambling and things like that? Do you think he plays that part into it? Maybe. And the two people who were hosting it were surprised and then suggested actors who you would expect more to be doing it, like more serious actors. Um, but yeah, he stuck to it. He then, his second pick was Denzel Washington. <laughs> Hey, you got to respect that. You know, no, uh, like, what's that? What do they call that when oh, he's, like, he's, only he's white people blind. play like white roles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Daniel, Denzel Washington white facing it up to play Johnny Menzel. <laughs> That's a weird whitewashing, really, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's white too, Johnny Menzel. Yeah, he's very white. So here's here's a question for you. Banking off of the Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, what do you think his net worth is? Adam Sandler? Yeah. Well, he signs those ridiculous Netflix deals, right? So I yeah. would say he's approaching a billion. Wasn't there at one point where he was actually like the world's best paid actor because of that so. Netflix deal? Because he gets like 50 million a movie from Netflix, I think. So his net worth according to the sites I'm looking at, is about $450 million. Rough. Should Seems be a little low. His movies have combined to earn more than $2 billion in the box office. Well, I guess he's undone there, right? Because his movies don't even get theater releases most of the time yeah. now. They're just yeah. like straight to Netflix. I guess that, uh, that wraps up our NFL talking points, though. An eventful weekend in the NFL... A pretty dull weekend in the Premier League. The only real interest there was City slipping up again and looking unconvincing and looking as if they'll rule themselves out of the title race through their own sheer incompetence more than Liverpool being unstoppable this time around. I don't know, Sam, did you did you watch the this the West Ham City match? I watched a little bit of it and it was one of those games that they were like, oh, West Ham are playing really well. And it's like, well, no, they're not. They're just they're just coming up against a City team that is on their day being incompetent. That's kind of how the game felt. 
Well, also, I mean, West Ham were just, once they were 1-0 up, and particularly then in the second half, they were just backs to the wall. So complementing them, I mean, defensively, they were reasonably organized, but City still had the chances to win. So it was one of those where, and I say this as a supporter of a team who, when they were in the Premier League, often had to adopt a backs-to-the-wall approach. But sometimes I think people overstate how well you play when you're adopting that style because you're more relying on the other team not finding the way through. And also you're, in the case of West Ham, very dependent on the fact that you scored first. Like if City had taken the lead, it obviously throws that kind of game plan totally out the window. For me, it wasn't really that, you know, West Ham had a game plan and they executed it well. I don't think that means that they played really well. I think Man City just were poor. And this is the problem with Man City, or at least what I think is going to be it, that it looks like this is going to keep happening, right? You can't, you can't say that they're now going to go win the next 30 games. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think very quickly they might just start ruling themselves out of the league at the moment, the way they're playing. They need someone up front. I mean, it was really revealing. The, obviously, uh, Jesus is still out, and I don't think he would solve the problems anyway. But Aguero started up front, and then in the second half, when they needed a goal, they took, they took yeah, they took Aguero, Aguero off, and they put Foden up front in that weird system that they'll play where they kind of have interchangeable attacking players in the front three, which is okay, and at times it looks really nice, and the passing can be really slick, and the movement is good, and it's a ton of pace. But you Didn't need Foden a score. He did like score. 10, but, 10 minutes yeah. after they put him on or five minutes. Yeah, after? No, look, f- fair enough. But then then when you were up against West Ham and they have literally 11 players inside their own half and eight of them are within, you know, 20, 30 yards of their own goal. And whenever you get the ball out wide, they have six or seven of their own players in the box. You need someone who is a natural goal scorer you'd probably need someone over five foot eight, which they don't have a lot of players. I mean, they are a short team. So the idea of putting the ball into the box kind of goes out the window. You know, it's a, it's a weird one for me. If they don't have a goal scorer, they can look so, so good on their, on their day, but they, you need someone to lead the line in the same way that even, even if you look at Liverpool, right? Firmino doesn't really score, but he at least provides that kind of physical presence that serves to link play up and to bring uh, Sané and Salah into play in a way that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. In that game, showed everyone that they're not going to win the league this year. That might have been the, the most boring match of football I've ever watched. And I mean that really genuinely. And I don't want that as like a hot take overreaction, trying to have a controversial view on the match. Not that it's controversial because I think a lot of people agreed, but fundamentally that might be the most boring match i've ever seen i mean it it rained a lot so that of course is going to make it slightly worse but yeah it i mean i don't know why but i feel like it was a worse result for chelsea because when Mm -hmm. lampard like this is lampard's first season where he had all that money and he has bought 200 250 million of pure attacking prowess and they can't break down that Man U team. And I, I think that's a worse result for them. Well, you can kind of spin that both ways, right? It's, I mean, it's a really, de- the reason why this match should deserves its place in the pantheon of most boring matches of all time. You're right that 
Chelsea were probably fielding, I mean, probably closer to 400 million pounds worth of attacking players. They were up against 400 and 400 million pounds worth of defensive players, you know, and then throw in the cost of some of the United, you know, United brought an 80 million pound substitute on in Paul Pogba. And <laughs> somehow between all of that supposed talent that was making its way onto the pitch at different times, they weren't the most exciting moment of the match was probably when Mendy nearly passed the ball into his own net. I think that was the only <laughs> moment that was kind of interesting. Apart from that, it was just people occasionally appealing for penalties. That was the yeah. Match. I love the idea of a game being like this nearly happened, so it almost became a good game. <laughs> it, it, and it, and look, it was one of those matches that desperately needed a goal. If either team had scored, it probably would have become a lot more open and more interesting. If so, if either of them had got a penalty in the sort of 60th minute, we might have been we probably talking about a different match. But it was awful. I don't know how either side could walk out. And the only positive for both of them is they didn't let a goal in. I mean, that's it. They've both had defensive struggles and they've managed their their kind of mutual incompetence allowed them to make it through without any goals being scored. I mean, Harry Harry Maguire nearly looked like a defender for 90 minutes. But I mean, the and the only noteworthy thing from either of those teams to have come out in the past few days is today there was a little bit of drama once again surrounding Paul Pogba although seemingly this time nothing to do you know not his own fault in that the Sun released an article claiming that Paul Pogba had retired from international football because he was upset by the comments that Macron had made that were critical of Islam and that had said that uh, and and obviously Pogba is a Muslim and and had in protest retired from French football which Pogba has now come out and totally denied and said that he will be suing um, the publications that originally published the story and people who reshared it and republished it. Just a Wait, really big... Hmm? So he's not suing his... Who, who wrote the article? I think The Sun, surprisingly enough, uh, you know, okay. normally known as this oracle of truth within <laughs> English, <laughs> English newspapers. Um, I think it was the Sun who first published it. I mean, if no one knows about this newspaper, it's actually been banned in the city of Liverpool. <laughs> it's not allowed to be sold in the city of Liverpool. Um, it is not a good paper, and it just spiels. I, I wouldn't even inflammatory stuff. It, it's basically just a gossip column. Yeah, I mean, it's, it. the, it's a trash. The, the biggest one, the biggest one I can think of recently is the Johnny Depp case with Amber Heard. That was all the sun, I think, reported all of that. That yeah, no, I mean, to this it's day, a, no one knows if it's real or not. <laughs> it's complete Please. trash tabloid, but but in footballing terms, they've had two pretty major incidents um, that have damaged their reputation just on sports reporting. And you would think it's kind of difficult to have controversy when you're talking about football. You'd think like even if you have someone make a bad comment or something, that it's it's not going to. You know, there's no way some sort of hot take on why Marcus Rashford shouldn't be starting for Manchester United shouldn't throw your newspaper into this, you know, huge drama. But in the wake of the Hillsborough disaster, which was, a, I think, 1989, the Hillsborough disaster or around then or maybe 86, I think probably 89, though, uh, in which some context in it. Uh, so it was, a, it was a football match being played between Liverpool and and uh, Sheffield Wednesday and uh too many people were allowed this is back when you had standing only sections in football matches and too many people were allowed into the match and people were crushed 
uh, and 96 people died. Crushed like they were upset that they couldn't get in? Physically crushed. Oh, not emotionally. Yeah, and that's how 96 people died. And then there was a whole issue over um, how the emergency services responded to the actual uh, kind of crisis and the whole way that the matches were being sort of policed and dealt with at the time. But the sun uh, decided to the story that the son told was basically that it was all the fault of Liverpool supporters who were just drunken hooligans and who had prevented emergency services from getting in to help the injured supporters and who had abused them and pushed them and attacked them. And I believe like included had pissed on them and all sorts of different things. As it transpired, all of these allegations totally unfounded, but it basically turned a tragedy into a way of blaming football hooligans. Now in the 1980s in England, you had lots of lots of reasons to be critical of footballing hooligans, yeah. But this was this was not one of them, and so ever since then, Liverpool and Liverpool, the city of Liverpool and Liverpool supporters not been uh, on good terms with the Sun. And then not that long ago, one of the Sun's most prominent footballing journalists, uh, uh, Ross Barkley, was attacked in a nightclub, and their journalist basically said that it wasn't surprising he'd, he'd been attacked because he looked like a zoo animal. And they then put a picture in the newspaper. It's Ross Barkley's face next to a gorilla's face. And whilst Ross Barkley looks relatively white, he's also quite clearly of a mixed race background and he is half black or a quarter black, but has a you know, significant black lineage. So, Comparing him to a gorilla is probably not the best way to go in terms of avoiding controversy. Uh, so overall, not not a not a particularly reputable um, newspaper, and this is just another instance of them. And the context for the Pogba thing, obviously, is because there was the teacher who was beheaded in France by uh, after he'd shown his class the cartoons, the Charlie Hebdo cartoons with the picture of the Prophet Muhammad and um, a. A Islamic extremist then chased him down and beheaded him in the street. And obviously, See, my France, parents were wondering if you we were going to talk about this. Really? They, yeah, they were like, "Is Eddie going to talk about the beheading?" Here, here we are. Oh, here you go. Here, here, here my, we go. <laughs> in my hot take, he deserved it. No, no, I'm just. <laughs> this is <laughs> for you. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is where I need to. Uh, to declare my allegiance to the state of like to ISIS and the the future caliphate, um, but no. Uh, Listen, we're on Apple Podcasts. You might not want to do that. This might be getting screened. <laughs> but no, I mean it was awful, right? Not to make a joke out of it. Really, no one should be, uh, you know, even attacked for what he did, which was simply trying to give his students a lesson on freedom of speech and expression. Um, he wasn't necessarily even endorsing what had been done, but trying to just use it as an interesting case to discuss what's right and what's wrong when it comes to how you express yourself and what the press can do. Um, and the reaction in France has been, I say extreme, but extreme in the sense that people it felt that it's uh, uh, totally unacceptable, obviously. They've been quite significant. Extreme on extremists. Exactly. Quite significant. Uh, protests um, and marches um, and defense of the French concept of freedom of speech um, and freedom from freedom, sort of separation of religion from the press and from the 
uh, from schools. And Macron made a state made a, a speech on Friday in which he basically said there were elements within that sort of Islam as a religion had elements within it that were damaging it and that it was a kind of potentially a religion in turmoil uh, and sort of made comments that were, I, I think you have, you have to stretch to say we're an attack on Islam, but we're more just saying that, you know, there things needed to be done about maybe how they reacted to certain scenarios. And this has not been well received in the Middle East where yeah. several countries now are, are, uh, boycotting French project products, which is mainly cosmetics. Uh, uh, the Turkish champagne and cheese. <laughs> yeah. This, which I mean, champagne probably really popular amongst Islamic extremists, but yeah. it turns out, it turns out <laughs> they're not going to be buying any more. Yeah. Uh, Hennessy and, uh, and, uh, and champagne way less popular in, in, in Syria than you would have expected. But Eddie, so all that disposable wonder, income. Sam, I wonder <laughs> if during these, these freedom of speech protests, if Eddie was piggybacking and asking for freedom of sitting at the bar till two in the morning so he could watch his soccer and, and football matches. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he's, go, he's going around calling like late night pubs matter kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> like, where's my rights? Where's my rights? No, the opposite. This I is was... egregious. <laughs> Quite the opposite. I was using it as an opportunity to question whether or not Orange were trying to limit my freedom of expression by not providing me with the internet. Speaking of which, do we have Today, a good segue? Yeah. Perfect Sunday. segue into Eddie's internet segment. Sunday was Sunday was D-Day, as I described it. And uh, I called them this morning and said that they, they had guaranteed me that the issue would have been resolved by the 25th of October. And a very confused customer support agent uh, sort of explained to me that the issue appears to have been resolved. Can continue kept using the phrase, I've got the green light, which I didn't understand. Um, was he just talking literally and he, he was liked- a little bit simple? He was like, I've got a green light. He was a woman, for starters, you sexist <laughs> okay. pig. But okay, I, it was one of two. I was guessing. Oh, people Eddie, can't be. Eddie, is this, was she, this a bad maybe translation? Maybe she was gender fluid. Hmm? Maybe she was. This is a bad translation. Did, was he saying Green Lantern? Are you sure it wasn't a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> is this a, just bad Google Translate? And have, has now promised me that the problem with my line has been resolved and that a technician will be coming to my house before the 30th, so before Friday. Wow. I will not be holding my breath. I told them, December. I, I outright told her that I did not believe her. And that I'd been told these kind of things before. But she's got the green light. (laughs) She kept trying to. So when I initially called, she said, yeah, everything's good. Your order will be done by the 30th. And I said I was confused. And then I I had to pull the moment where I said to her, you need to explain the situation to me like a child. So that you are super clear. (laughs) You are super clear on exactly what has been resolved and exactly what is about to happen with my internet. It's like in the office. When he's like, can you explain this to me? Like, like I'm an eight-year-old. And then yeah. Oscar explains, he's like, can you explain it to me? Like I'm a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't far off that. Let's just say, I just really, really, really want them to be clear on it whenever I speak with them. And so often, I don't even know. Part of me feels like I just talk to them and like nothing gets written into my folder or anything. So then they're just surprised why there's just a, this random person calling them to ask about the internet. 
I would do that. If I was just listening to you, I'd just be sat there going, yes, Mr. Hewitt, yes, Mr. Hewitt. It also, there's, there's, there's one big issue that I can see coming towards me in like a ton of bricks, which is every time they call, I call them, they ask to verify my address. And I live in, so if you imagine like when you come into my building, there are two then um, staircases. Like there's one, I'm at the back of the courtyard and my entrance. So technically I'm in like building B of my building. And every time I speak to them, they say, oh, yeah, just to verify your address. And I say it and they go, oh, yeah, that's your address. And you're building A, right? Floor two. And I go, no, building B, floor two. And they say, oh, okay. And I said, every time I speak to you, I ask you to update that. Can you please update it? Yes. And then every time I call them the next time, it's still there. So I know what's going to happen. I can see it coming. Is they're going to tell me everything was resolved? And they're going to be like, oh, no, we resolved that for the apartment on floor two of building A. We hadn't even looked into building B and I'm gonna be right back to where I started from. I am absolutely flabbergasted that you are staying with this company. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, we'll see what demands I get. My, my list of demands are growing. You know, I'm gonna go full like Somali pirate on them and just, and just really, I'm gonna ask for the moon when I'm, when they finally get the internet set up, but we'll see what they end up actually giving me. But Speaking is it of which, completely useless Somali pirate, like in Captain Phillips? I, yeah, I say that to them on the phone all the time when we're, when we're arguing. I'll be like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> Did you see that that, um, that oil tanker off the coast of the Isle of Wight in the UK had like a hijacking incident? That was me practicing. <laughs> that was you. Yeah. <laughs> I used to say it won't summers. be so easy against orange. Exactly. <laughs> orange. <laughs> yeah. I mistook it. It was just an orange tanker, but l just the literal color orange. I, I thought maybe it was actually one of theirs. Did you see? So uh, maybe you guys didn't see this. I just thought it was crazy. I don't know how this actually popped up. It, I think it was on one of my Facebook things. Um, there was a person bought a box of a first edition pokemon trading cards did you hear about this story uh, no at all okay so pokemon is coming back now i don't know if you guys were into it when you were younger like i used to collect the pokemon cards and stuff like that no i wasn't a dork no yeah you weren't a dork i i, I was into it cool all right but i wouldn't good. say it, ever, it never left pokemon it's ridiculously famous constantly do you mean the cards uh, themselves like both well i mean obviously with pokemon go it came back crazy i mean it, you're right it didn't go away but it wasn't as if it was like the biggest thing yeah i remember that six i remember that six weeks when po pokemon go was a thing <laughs> yeah it was a few months i saw so many people almost die whilst using that app just like walking into the middle of the road or well, like i think people into have people. Died. I've seen people fall downstairs. I saw someone fall down like the London Underground tube. They were just trying to catch someone and they just stacked it. It was it was kind of fascinating to watch. So this so getting back to the story, this guy for two hundred thousand dollars bought a box of first edition unopened uh like packs of cards. So there's 36 packs in the box for two hundred thousand dollars. And then he live streamed 
opening up each of the 36 packs to see what was in them. How many people do you think attended the live stream? Like, I'm going to go 55 million. Like, as in... That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Then this is going to sound really... This is going to sound really uh, boring when I give you... you You've ruined Frank's... Yeah, you've ruined Frank's story. (laughs) That was was it. How many people watch the Super Bowl? Is it even 55 million? That's like half... No, that's like... Half a billion. Sam, Sam's just seen our latest download number, so he's he's just thought everyone's as popular as us. But I actually think there's about 99 million, million people watched the Super Bowl last year. So you're saying <laughs> half of half as Over many half. people who watch the Super Bowl watch Really? This. Is it only that? that 100 many? million is a lot of people, Sam. Oh, you think <laughs> that the royal wedding had 2 billion? Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, one point I mean, one, one billion, I think, actually. But, oh, yeah. a thousand pardons. <laughs> well, you're only off by quite a few million, you know. But what's a few million between friends? Exactly, exactly. So how many? How many did it? I'm gonna guess a real guess. I'm obviously expecting this to be a really big number, and I think this would be a huge number to watch a live stream. I am gonna guess three hundred thousand people. Yeah, it was 350,000 people watched a guy open up 36 packs of Pokemon cards. Wow. Yeah. Did it did it go well for him? Like, did he get So something? it's really weird. Uh, he set it up as like a charity event and he sold. Oh, it was so Logan you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. Should I have mentioned I like that? I like, well, yeah, I thought it was like some like mystery person, but it's like, no, it's one of the most famous YouTubers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, it was Logan Paul. So I guess he the way he set it up is I I guess he just ate the two hundred thousand. Well, kind of because he sold individual packs for I think like ten thousand. Oh, so actually, actually, maybe he didn't eat it. So anyway, yeah, he, he, he made could, a profit. Yeah, he made a profit. Now that I think about it, I didn't think I thought he <laughs> sold it for a thousand, but I just reading it now it said ten thousand. <laughs> So yeah, so he actually makes a profit, but he sold each pack for 10,000 and then he opened up your pack on the live stream. And it, it, I watched a little bit. I watched like a few packs, not live. I just clicked the link to it. It kind of sucks because really depending on what pack you got, either made or break probably your weekend. There was some where they spent $10,000 for the pack and maybe there was like a $500 card in it. And then there was other, other ones that had about the highest one probably had about $80,000 worth of cards in it. Yeah. So, so the big thing is he, he found a first edition Charizard in there, which is like the most rare card you oh can my get. God. Yeah. But spoiler alert, it was only a quality nine, not a quality 10 rating. Um, dear, but it's, that's like a big deal considering I think it goes, they said this is worth about 40 or 50. If it were a 10, it'd be about 200,000. It's like those people that buy those like lots and those safes and they buy them for an amount and then open them up and you know, there's either this little shit in it or there's- Storage wars. That's it, storage wars was one of them, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if our listeners really want- We'll do that. I'll auction off my basketball cards and we'll live stream as I- break them up into sets of like 50 and randomly dish them out revealing who got what 
I thought you meant we were going to buy like an unused storage lot. <laughs> we could do that too. Yeah, we can do the storage wars, storage wars podcast, where we buy it and then we just describe what we can see in there. We could just also just lie. I mean, our already storage wars is fake, right? They plan stuff in it, but we could just be, like, oh my god, the to- the the tomb of King Tut, <laughs> <laughs> nine hundred Fabergé eggs. <laughs> Who would have ever thought in this random storage container in Stock in, in Scottsdale, Arizona? I, I thought you were going to say Stockport then, like Manchester. Well, we'll do that. We'll we'll only do it in in weird places beginning with S. That will be. Yeah, like, what what's that next to it? A signed Randy Johnson baseball. Like, and what's there in this dude. one? It's Randy Johnson. I could just picture him with his mullet all lanky, just standing there. I mean, to be honest with you, Randy Johnson, if he was just sitting in and around like a bunch of storage places, you would just assume was a very homeless man. Yeah. Yeah, he does look like a homeless man. I've been, speaking of which, I've been trying to get rid of all my sports cards now for the past two months, but none of the stores are really open, so I can't drop them off. It's rough. Have you done an assessment yourself of how much they're worth? Yeah. So I went through all the cards, which I have about seven big storage Tupperwares full, like the big ones that you'd fit underneath your bed. I have about six or seven of them. No, they're in things, but then they're like, uh, some are shitty ones are, but the good ones aren't loose, but I went through them all. I, I have two good cards. I have a, uh, Kobe Bryant rookie card. That's probably the second or third best of the Kobe Bryant rookie cards you can have. And then I have a pretty rare Derek Jeter rookie card. Um, but it depends because you have to get them rated, but the shitty thing about getting them rated is it, it costs like 50 to hundred dollars to get a card rated. So if the card's only worth 300, is it worth sending it out to get rated? Um, but if, if they're, they look, they're, they're probably not like a 10, like a perfect, but they're probably in the nine. So they're probably each worth, I would say maybe the Jeter's maybe like 400, 500 and the Kobe's maybe a little higher, like 750. Yeah. But, and then I have like a bunch of like decent cards that are maybe five, $10 worth, but I just kind of want to get rid of them. Yeah. So if anyone I wants, I have nine Derek Jeter rookie cards. If anyone wants one, I had a ton of Kobe Bryant rookie cards, but then, uh, oh gosh, back in stop, back in, stop. We <laughs> 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 you know where this is going. <laughs> uh, no, in actual fact, though, I do actually have a bunch of Kobe Bryant rookie cards in my because i like that's the kind of peak of my collection right it's the yeah me too same time like there. Same 92 era. to 98 was when i was like really buying cards so my baseball card collection i don't think has anything particularly valuable in it but i also i haven't looked at it in probably 15 years so it's one of those things that you, maybe it does and i'm not aware of it yeah but and basketball, that baseball wise i know i've got a few decent ones in there that was like one of the greatest draft classes ever too I have yeah. all the rookie cards from that from that one. Yeah. I mean, I've got a few. I think baseball cards, like, I think I have maybe 10,000. And then baseball cards, cards I probably got 2,000. Unfortunately, the, what I have the most of are hockey, which are 
absolutely <laughs> worthless. Just they're beyond worthless. They're costing me money just sitting in my house. <laughs> the trouble for me, it would be selling them though, because it's one of those things in my mind, right? Like I've got 10,000 cards, most of which will be worth fundamentally worthless, right? But say someone came to me, looked through them quickly, and I was like, I'll give you a dollar a card. So like, say I've got in total like that 12 would be to 50. crazy. <laughs> you do, but then in part of me would be like, I'm getting ripped off here. I must have some. I must have some gem. Well, go th go through them. I, I went through each one. It took me about a week. I spent three hours a night going through them. <laughs> wow, well, that's some dedication. Well, <laughs> do you know what? Like maybe when I have the in maybe when I have the internet, I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of worth it. I mean, I found the one Jeter card. If that goes for you know five six hundred, you know that what alone right there. eBay. Or did you use one of the actual card rating, like selling? One things? of the card rating sites. But again, I need to get it actually rated to then I can see how much it's worth. I mean, the other thing is my cards are literally in a storage um, place. So they A, might have been destroyed. Who knows? <laughs> uh, that would be depressing. But I need to get them back. So Yeah, the, the amount of time and money spent on hockey cards, though, is not a good investment in the grand scheme of things. And it also just, just sucks because it was in an era where there was no great player, like a rookie, like how you're saying that was like your core era was like the Kobe Bryant era for hockey that was not a great error you, you you missed out on the gretzky time and then you also miss out on like the Sidney crosby Connor mcdavid time which is you know more recent yeah i mean i really should have tried i mean we probably both right we should have tried to offload those kobe cards like in february if i had known because when, when you go back and look you're right they were selling for like four or five times the value at that time and I knew I had, because I have like three of them and I knew I had them, but I just, you know, couldn't be bothered to kind of really think about that. Yeah. I mean, I probably got some Shaq rookie cards, so maybe he'll take a helicopter overweight sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> I'll try and offload them then. Maybe you get lucky and him and Barkley get on one together. That thing will definitely yeah. not make it off the air. If, if, uh, they both the sit on the same, if they both sit on the same side of a private plane. Actually, they both sit on the same side of like an Airbus. It might still happen. Just on the same side of a car. <laughs> but no. Could you yeah. imagine seeing them on the same side of a car just driving by you? That alone would be hysterical. Just seeing Shaq in a car. I mean, I, I actually recently rewatched because for whatever reason on the suggested views, there was like best NBA player cribs. Uh, and so I like watched like 20 minutes of old MTV Cribs episodes, which were just when they went to NBA players' houses. And one of them was Shaq's house in Orlando. And a big part of it was him showing off his custom cars, which are all just like really odd to look at because he's had to like cut out the back seat of a car. And he it's just like what was a four-seater car is now just a two-seater car. It's like very bizarre every time. It reminds me of the... Uh time you and I squeezed into the same side of a Mini Cooper. Great picture. <laughs> I don't think it's quite as extreme. but It is. You took up the whole fucking right side. You squished me in the back like I was a like a mini like chihuahua back there. In like, fairness, any any adult male is going to take most of the side of a Mini Cooper up. Do you mean the old Mini Coopers or the new BMW ones? The newer BMW ones? The new okay. BMW ones, but still only the two-door. Not the four door. You two, you two would look incredibly hilarious in like the old mini, <laughs> like the really kind of famous one. It would be like a clown car. <laughs> both getting in. 
it's just it's funny because it's the two door and Eddie takes up like seven eighths of the thing and it's just me in the back just kind of like waving from the back just squished in the <laughs> squish to the max <laughs> any other big topics obviously we didn't really discuss the champions league last week it comes back tomorrow the only surprise really from last week was real madrid managing to managing to lose i don't think we discussed that on thursday um, no the whole thing kind of just went with form didn't it really or what you would expect anyway the Real Madrid yeah. one was shocking. Yeah. And then they bounced back, of course, having just lost to a promoted side in, in La Liga and then losing to Shakhtar Donetsk. They then beat Barcelona, as you do. Oh, yeah. So That was a good game. <laughs> totally predictable. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was nice. And Zinedine Zidane went from being at risk of losing his job to suddenly being flavor of the month again. So, Eddie, maybe we can end this on a little trivia. Yesterday, Larry Fitzgerald became only the second player in NFL history with 1,400 catches. Who is the other player? I mean, I'd have to assume it's Jerry Rice. It is, in fact, Jerry Rice. Niners I mean, Nation. Yeah. Maybe we'll have, have him on the podcast soon. You know, he's a big fan of Niners Nation. He's got a lot of crazy stories, too. When you listen to him tell stories about his work ethic and practice and stuff like that, he'd be a good one. Maybe we can fit him in. On the Bill Simmons podcast, my my nemesis. Slash idol. Slash <laughs> idol, yeah. It's it's a love-hate relationship. Both ways, though. We both we both love and hate each other. He's he's a big fan of our podcast. Maybe one day we'll get get bought by the uh by the ringer. But he had Howie Long on and they were talking about the question that he asked Howie Long was how many players are there who are absolutely considered to be the best player ever in their position. Like it's not up for debate. So he was kind of throwing in there. Bill Simmons opinion is that like Tom Brady is the absolute greatest of all time quarterback, not up for discussion anymore. He threw out Jerry Rice as the absolute greatest of all time wide receiver, not up for discussion. Um, and how he don't know about kinda, Brady, how he long kind of pushed back on the Jerry Rice one where he admitted that he's not the person, the best place to analyze wide receivers, but that fundamentally he'd landed in the best possible situation with the Niners system and then two Hall of Fame quarterbacks this entire time. And he wasn't now is knocking. This, is this stats-wise? Because this is an argument we have all the time. Is, this, is he the greatest receiver just meaning you have one play to make in your game who are you putting over there to catch the ball? Or is it from a career standpoint who had the greatest career as a wide receiver? I think they were debating it in terms of uh, ability and achievements being factored into that, obviously, but not... Not because solely achievement-based. Yeah, because they then discussed uh, Bo Jackson from the perspective of is he, was he the most talented running back of all time? Mm -hmm. And Howie Long thought he was like the most physically talented, but not necessarily the most talented from sort of reading or understanding the game but just in terms of raw physical ability the yeah. most talented um because with the receiver the one, we've always, one we've you and i have brought up this argument is could it be calvin johnson so their pick was randy moss basically which i get but yeah calvin yeah. johnson to me probably if i'd wanted one play calvin johnson in his prime i think was pretty unstoppable just in terms of size and speed yeah he was like DK Metcalf before DK Metcalf was chasing down players <laughs> like a horse. 
I mean, it's it's so hard though, right? You're dealing with such fine margins that, like, trying to pick them apart, it's so so difficult. And different eras, different styles of play. Yeah. Were there any other that were without discussion? Uh, Howie Long's point was that maybe Aaron Donald is approaching that uh, status. That's true. That was they kind of basically had three who they thought were there. How about um, Lawrence Taylor at outside so, linebacker. So Lawrence Taylor, Howie Long was like for linebacker, no one's been close. Everyone's always trying to compare like who's the new Lawrence Taylor, and he said there's no one's even got into that sort of stratosphere. Um, yeah, especially if, if you narrow it down to an outside linebacker. Yeah, they you know, would just generalize out middle. It. Yeah, they generalized it just as linebacker. Um, but he, yeah, he thought that Aaron Donald was approaching that status. Ed Reed, my favorite player ever. <laughs> but no, it was, it was kind of interesting to listen to. Um, but I thought the the take on Jerry Rice was like mildly controversial, but yeah, kind of understandable too. Sam, any uh, any funny sports stories from your week? No, I mean, did you see the Ajax result though? I guess that's pretty funny, <laughs> like how comical the Dutch league looks after that result. But um, for for people that didn't see it, Ajax um, in the Dutch league beat a team 13-0 away from home. Um, they had, I think it was about 46 shots, uh, 23 on target. But what was hilarious about it is it was 13-0. They absolutely destroyed them. But their keeper for the other team made 10 saves as well. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, so... Theoretically, I mean, most most keepers would probably make a good, you know, half of that in a game, you know, five, six or seven, like, saves. Um, so to make 10 and let in 13, like, you're starting to get to the point where, like, there's an event once every four minutes in the game on that goal. It was, but it, it does raise a point about how comical that Dutch league looks because of that result. But. How about Deschambeau yeah. hitting, oh, sorry, guys, Eddie. I mean, they're mid-table too, right? So it's not as if they were beating the bottom of the table and just just an awful team. Like that's a a mid-table Eredivisie team. So it's 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 not not a great look for the the overall quality of that league. Also, didn't realize that Huntelaar was still going at thirty-seven. He he scored a couple, so it was seemingly that easy. And how about Deschambeau? Did you guys see that? Drove the ball four hundred yards in the air, supposedly, according to his tracking devices in his practice facilities or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what he claimed, yeah. Yeah. He also claimed he's not an asshole, but we know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, there was one story I forgot to bring up. I remember when we talked about Soccer Aid, um, and I kind of went through the lineups that they had a couple months ago when we were speaking about that, and how many, oh, of, those people, yeah, how many of those people you recognized. And this story came out a few weeks ago, but it, I thought it was kind of funny that um, Clyde says that, um, what's his name? The commentator for ITV, Sam? Clive? Uh, Clive Tisdale? Tisdale? Yeah, yeah Tisdale. One of them. Clive Tisdale, yeah. He, um, he's been, he will no longer be commentating on future soccer aid matches because he fat shamed uh, Chunks, one of the players. <laughs> wait, 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 the player's name is Chunks? Well, he's a comedian, and he is a very large comedian, and his his name is Chunks, C-H-U-N-K-Z. So he got in trouble for making, some, making fun of someone who clearly is making a career off of the fact that they're chunky? 
you're okay to fat shame yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But when and you're okay to make jokes about it to like further your career. Yeah. But I thought, so um, when they were waiting to come onto the pitch, when he was waiting to come onto the pitch, uh, his comments around him was saying that Chunks was so big that you could take guided tours around him. <laughs> oh, that's kind of bad though. <laughs> yeah, they weren't great. That's like one of those, like your mom is so fat that you used to hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, but there are, the, the comments were like pretty extreme when you, when you do look at them. But is that part of Chunks's shtick? I don't think he's took, took to it particularly well. Um, I think it's part of the issue. I mean, I don't think you want to volunteer for a charity football match and be just ripped into by the commentator <laughs> on national television for being overweight. Yeah, probably not. I've just seen a picture of him. <laughs> he is, is he that big? Yeah, he's very, very big. He lives up to his name. Yes. And it, he's of a size where putting him in like sporting clothing is certainly not flattering. I mean, the comments included the fact that the person he was being substitute on, substituted on for, Tom Davis, who's also not in incredible shape, but his comment was Tom Davis is about to be replaced and by someone, somebody bigger than him. So yeah, he will no longer be commentating on, on soccer aid matches for UNICEF in the future. <laughs> that's a huge hit to his career that's what makes it funny right is that this is all for charity and he's just calling some guy a fat fuck whilst donating money to well also ironically too it's unicef right so it's it's for starving children yeah he's just the starving children in africa but this guy yeah, he could have made comments along those lines, right? He'd be like, instead of donating money, we're just going to send chunks to Africa where he's going to sort of feed a village of 50 for three months. With his pockets of Snickers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I think I'm going to get the hell out of here. Get some work done. That'll be a first. Yeah. Yep. Got to do something sometime. All right. Well, see you on see you on Thursday. Yeah, talk to you guys later. Here we go.